Let's get started. Ina, can you show us what you brought? I sure can. I brought a very large stack of books. <laughs> as big as your head. <laughs> and Lavanya, what did you bring? I brought this little thing that my daughter made. Ooh. So it's hungry. Well, <laughs> yeah, we'll save the details. We'll save later. The okay. Yes. Well, first of all, the two of you, welcome. Thank you guys for saying yes to be here. For those of you who are watching or listening, you are tuning in to the podcast, Not Quite Strangers. My name is Valerie Hope. I am your host. And the purpose of this podcast is to bring two relative strangers or not quite strangers together. And we're going to have meaningful conversation, right? create connection, build curiosity, and in our own special way, challenge the status quo. So who you're going to meet today, they never met each other. Well, with the exception of what, like 15 minutes ago, 20 minutes ago, we had the initial meeting. But one of the, the reasons that I invited these two amazing women is, first of all, Ina and I have known each other maybe a year and a half, probably not very long. Ina and I have both been, well, we are both coaches with the Berkeley Executive Coaching Program. So we've had many conversations since we've met then and just super high energy. She has so much to offer, fun loving, always concerned about other people. And I thought, hmm, I know exactly who I want to introduce you to because someone that shares exactly the same qualities is Lavanya Chala. And Lavanya and I have known each other four years maybe yeah, something like yeah. that. It's been a few years and we know each other because we've taken a lot of the same leadership development courses. Lavanya was actually also on my last podcast, Time to Come Alive. So you may have heard and seen her before. And, and Lavanya, when I thought about in, who I would introduce you to, I thought, okay, you know, it'd be perfect because you guys share a few things in common. You're both wonderful mothers and devoted to your children. You both have your own artistic creative flair in how you do what you do. And I said, again, you're kind, loving, positive people in the world up to something. And I'm like, this would make a perfect union, a great match. So thank you so much for being here. Thanks, Valerie, for having me. Yeah, yes. thank you. So first, a few things for the, uh, those of you who are listening, if you do not want to miss a single episode of this podcast, please make sure you subscribe to notquitestrangers.com. And we'll make sure that you get an email whenever a new podcast episode is released. And you can also subscribe to my YouTube channel, Connect to Joy. And you'll have both links in the, in the show notes so you can easily access them. But before we jump into anything else, I'd love for you, you know, Ina and Lavanya to share with us the stuff that you brought, the stack of books and this <laughs> dessert looking <laughs> creation, Lavanya. <laughs> Tell us what you brought and why it's, it's meaningful to you. Lavinia, do you want to go first? Oh, okay. So, oh, this keeps falling off. So this is uh, something my daughter made, and this is tape, packaging tape. This is a styrofoam orange um, that fits perfectly in, and this is from another toy that, you know, she poked it in and kept it. Now why I brought this because it's if you see it's got lines it's not quite uh, perfect but if you look from far away it looks great but mm -hmm. when you examine it up close it's just a bunch of random things put together and I think that's kind of what represents me as a mom 
it, I'm, I'm not perfect. I don't have it all together. And I'm still, you know, it looks great from outside. I'm just going with the flow. And every time I look at this, it kind of makes me smile because I get a peek into how her brain works. Really unique and at how she makes these little creations all over the house. And we should say, so this is your, your daughter, Divya. Divya. Yeah. yeah. Okay. She, she's the one with autism and she does her version of lining up things. So if you walk around my house, there are papers stuffed in the crevices of a door sticking out. She makes them kind of balance in that nook. Uh, uh, or she'll, she'll put things inside each other, makes them into stacks. And I initially it was, it I know I'm going into too much detail right now. I don't know. Do you want me to? Go for it. Yeah, just sure. okay. Go ahead. Uh, she does all these arrangements. And initially it was like, she's just making lots of garbage. But then when I looked at it, I'm an artist. And when I go out there and I'm looking at art shows, there are all these installations that people make with found objects. And I thought, wait a minute, she's just doing that. She's repurposing. She's not uh, like, you know, making garbage she's making art installations so once i started looking at it that way it was no longer like something unwanted something wanted mm. so that kind of represents the whole thing for me wow that's actually quite profound right just a small shift in perception well it sounds like it's a big shift but it's also yeah. really a simple one where the value of something shifts when we shift our perception of it. Yeah. Really good. Okay. Yeah. Wow. I love that reframing of the narrative. And I don't know if I can follow with something nearly as eloquent, but I'll do my best here. Um, I brought this stack of books. Um, I know you asked us for one object, but I also, you know, Valerie, I, I, I'm an extra kind of person. So I brought <laughs> an extra amount of things. And the reason I brought these uh, to represent my role as a mom is actually because I've, I've approached being a mom as more of a job than I initially thought it would be. Like I've been a big, uh, I really didn't think that I would research and study and do all of that as much as I've um, as much as I've done. And I think part of that is circumstance. I have my older daughter is not on the spectrum, but she uh, struggles with an anxiety disorder and a panic disorder and um, a sensory modulation disorder. Um, she's really uh, explosive. Okay. Um, and so a lot of that has been by necessity. I've really had to learn how to deal with and approach her unique personality and temperament type. Um, but in general, I take things in life, like, I don't know how to do something part of the way I go. When I do something, I go all in. And that's been representative of my role as a mom too. Like I, I do things 120 million percent. And so I've read so many <laughs> books on my journey as a mom. Um, so that's why I brought this big stack of books. I love your extra self. And yes, yeah. you should bring extra to family. And Lavanya, did you write down the name of that book? I did. <laughs> I was just like, I saw her scribbling. Why? <laughs> so why did you write it down? What was it about that? Um, I like the word explosive child. <laughs> it has so much uh, like a 
positive spin on 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 um, things rather than a fix it kind of view. It looks like a, a, a very kind of putting your hand around them and then including them, mm -hmm. including their mindset. And yeah, I don't even know what the book is about, so I, I thought I, I need to look it up. And I'm crazy about buying books. I may not read them, but I need to have them. Lavinia, mm. one I wanted to bring today that I couldn't find on my bookshelf, I must have loaned it to someone who's called Raising Your Spirited Child. I don't know oh. if you've read that one, but that's a wonderful like, one. It's another exciting in fact, um, and you'll see a lot, there's a theme, living with intensity, oh. freeing your child from anxiety, um, letting go of perfect for perfectionists. So th there's definitely a theme <laughs> among the books I collect. Uh, but Raising Your Spirited Child is another one I, I would really highly recommend. Okay. Mm. You know, I think what's interesting is that both of you are finding or have found ways to reframe this, this idea of what motherhood is going to look like, especially with, you know, you both have two children, I believe, right? Both you have, and now you have two. Yeah, and Lavanya, you have two. Um, but I'm curious, before we get into all the, what you've done to reframe, what did you expect motherhood to be like? Like before you, you know, when you had maybe the idea of being a mother, before you were even a mother, like what was that, about, what was that like? Do you want to go first, Tina? Sure. Um, I thought I would enjoy it much, a much higher percentage of the time than I actually enjoy it, to be honest with you. I love being a mom, but I've wanted to be a mom since I was, you know, since I could remember I've wanted to be a mom. Uh, and my whole life kind of revolved around when I would become a mom. And so I was surprised at like the amount of work it is and the amount of time I want to break from it. And I need something else. Like I thought motherhood would be, I think all sustaining and everything I needed. And I've been surprised that that alone is not enough for me. I love being a mom and I love it much more when that's not all I am. And I really didn't think that would be the case. Interesting. Lavinia, what about for you? Oh, uh, it's like she's almost said what I wanted to say. <laughs> but yeah, I even I wanted to be a mom since I uh, I was a kid and I only thought as far as a two-year-olds being a mom of a two-year-old. I didn't even no, or maybe let me say it this way. It came with so much work, so much losing control of how things go, uh, like so much learning every step of the way that it's it's a whole new world in itself, being a pair, mom. And I'm not the perfect mom, but I do love my kids. I do love, and I'm okay with how I parent. Like, um, yeah, it, it kind of, I don't know what else. You accept how you parent. Yes. Or yourself as a parent. You accept yourself. Yes, both. Both, both. all yeah. of it. <laughs> yeah. You know, it's funny. I, I, I can't say much about that in, other than I never had the desire to be a mother. I have no idea. It's not like, I don't want kids. I don't like kids. On the contrary, I love children. I think I'm good with kids, especially the older ones. 
like the older <laughs> ones, I'm much, you know, much more engaged by, have good conversations with, but I've never, I'd never had that, oh, to be a mother. So it's, it's been perfect. So I'm not a mother, which is great. I never had to make that decision. <laughs> and I'm a great stepmother. <laughs> so FYI, <laughs> if anyone's out there, he's out there looking for a stepmom. No, don't look, the police do not look for me as a stepmom, but that would be an added uh, bonus, right? But I, but what I hear the two of you say, which I think is really interesting, I know a lot of, a lot of my friends um, who did desire, you know, this desire to be a mother for so many women is something that's so innate and so uh, defining, right? Become so defining. So I'm curious about, so when you had, now that you have both, you are mothers and you're mothers and you're having to handle whatever it is that comes up through motherhood, what are the, what are the areas where you've like surprised yourself or like been really either surprised or disappointed or like when you've had a completely different uh, experience or reaction than you expected yourself to have or has expanded you in some way, shape or form as a person? And I was did that question make sense? I can take that first. Yeah. Okay. And I have, I have one thought on something I'm better at than I thought. And one thought on something I'm worse at than I thought. Um, so I'll start with the positive. The thing (laughs) I'm better at than I thought is I used to, before I had kids, I remember questioning if I would ever able, if I would ever be able to be as, um, selfless as my parents have been with me. So my parents have, have given of themselves to me and my brother in unimaginable ways. And I was always on the receiving end of that, right? Like I was never the giver, I was the taker. And so I remember worrying even before I had kids, like when I have kids, will that shift? Like I wanna give of myself in that way, but I've always been the taker. And so will I, will I have to struggle to be the giver? Mm. And I have to say, that's one thing that I was shocked to find, like, nope, not a struggle. Like so naturally, innately easy that I, I give because I want to give, like I want to give to them <laughs> everything. And I actually have to stop myself from giving to them everything because that is not good, right? Like they need the struggle. So that's one thing um, that I, I guess has been easier for me than I thought. One thing that has been harder for me than I thought, and Lavanya, you touched on this when you spoke, and it shouldn't surprise me because I'm, you know, I'm a little bit type A, I'm a little bit like I like knowing how things go, but the lack of control I have as a parent, it, both in terms of like things that happen, all the way starting from birth, right, from like yeah. delivery, and how you think that will go and how that actually goes to now, like how, like the type of temperament your kids have and how you have Mm -hmm. to work within the framework of that temperament. And you can make tweaks here or there, but you're always working within that framework. That lack Mm -hmm. of control has been much harder for me to deal with than I probably, if I had thought about it, I probably would have been like, that's going to be tough for me. But I hadn't really thought about it or considered how little control you have. And that has been really a tough one for me and a continual work in progress. Mm. Lavinia, what about for you? Um, So the question is what surprised me and what was Maybe surprised you like in a positive way and what surprised you in like a disappointing (laughs) or challenging (laughs) way. Um, 
what surprised me was the fact that how much autism taught us, taught me to be a better parent. Like, uh, like you said, Ina, about, you know, the framework. I've been trying to make my older one fit into a box. And until the second one and her autism came, I didn't realize how much I was, you know, unconsciously just putting her into a box and trying to push her to be in the, you know, set uh, parameters. And then I realized with her that I started questioning every single thing. Oh, why does she need to finish school in 12 years? It should be okay if she finishes in 13 years. Oh, if she wants to, you know, like things like that. Oh. It, uh, I never thought it would open up, broaden my perspective as a mother to include a lot of these, uh, you know, variables like control, out of your hand things. And uh, the other thing that surprised me was how much each kid has a personality. I am constantly struggling to kind of accept that. Because when they're born, they're this, you know, they're not a thing. They're not a personality. And then you start seeing something coming through. And uh, with my 13-year-old, like you met her, Valerie. She has her own, she's a unique personality. She's like she unstoppable. She's 30. <laughs> yeah, I know. <laughs> That's how she gets. Uh, and then my now 8-year-old, for a while I, I was that she was not there. Like only the autism's there. And lately, the last year I saw since the pandemic, I've been seeing her personality. That like I, There's a certain flavor to her since she was three. And now we see a whole new human being. Like she's shy and she's, you know, uh, friendly. She's all those things that I never saw before. And that's been a total surprise for me. And... Something that's been the hardest, uh, the most challenging is, yeah, I'd stay sticking to a schedule. Like I, we're like the broken schedule family. There's no <laughs> schedule. I just like a typical Sagittarian, like ah, oh, let's just go with the flow kind of thing. And that's been the worst thing. I thought I would, you know, motherhood would fix me, and I'll do all the things on time. And, in one word, I'm a hot mess, <laughs> the way we we parent. Uh, but, um, yeah. <laughs> hot mess. <laughs> so, you know, it's interesting because what you guys are both pointing to is actually not limited. You're, you're really talking about your, your, your broad view of your experience of mothering, right? From the very beginning, what you expected to like some of the reality checks. But the last 12 months have been really unique and, and pressure filled and has shifted our focus. So I'm curious, what does mothering for you guys have? What has that looked like during the pandemic? Oh, goodness, I can go. <laughs> it was the hardest. It was like the, 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 like the, the final most difficult test in my life, like, like the initial month. Being home all together, no school, no therapy, nothing, and and it was so hard. I I hadn't spent that kind of time with her since she was diagnosed with autism. She always had therapy or or clinic visits and support, and 
I had to really stop everything and be with her. Let her, like I got to want, there was like a positive and a negative side to it. I discovered so much about her. Like all the things she does do. We don't get to see that at home. She displays this, uh, all her skills at her clinic. Like all her therapists know how much she can do. And at home she behaves like she hasn't learned a thing in the last three years. And so <laughs> we got to see all the things that she's capable of. And we got to see her created creativity, like, you know, unfold. Um, her interest, she started interacting with us, but it was also challenging. Like she had uh, problem behaviors come up um, because we relied a lot on going out to entertain her. And all of that being cut, just we couldn't provide everything that they needed. And so uh, it's like my older one's 13 and those 12 years are one kind of learning. And this just last year is a whole new learning in itself, mm. like a lifetime's learning. You know, your facial expression right now, <laughs> what is going through your mind? I'm just, yeah, I'm just listening. And what, it's so funny because I've had this conversation with other mom friends, right? Like, what's it been, what's it been like? And um, I've, I've heard a lot of like these similar themes reflected. Um, and I think my experience has been a little different. It's been challenging for sure. But I think we've had more um, more silver linings than I would have expected during this time. So my older one also gets, uh, she's in occupational therapy and she sees a therapist, like a, just a, a regular therapist, a, a, a psychologist therapist. Um, and we, sh we shifted both of those to virtual when the pandemic started. So she was continuing to get them. She was just getting them virtually. Is that as good? No, but was it something? Yes. So we didn't lose them entirely. Um, but my husband started, you know, working remotely and we developed these little, it felt like our life before the pandemic was, so I'm sort of the opposite. I'm very scheduled and our life is always very, like, I'm very like strict on bedtime and strict on meal time and strict on like, we, you know, we wake up and then we eat and our, our days have always been so structured and routinized and, um, often rushed from one thing to the other thing to the other thing. And mornings were just the worst. Cause it was like, get up, brush your hair, eat food, put on clothes, get into like, like I just felt like a constant military sergeant and it feels not great. Um, and I, you know, the last year we've been able to get away from some of that. Not that I'm not crazy about bedtime. I still am like bedtime is bedtime. We go to bed at bedtime, but we've been allowed to like have mornings be slower. Right. Mm -hmm. um, I don't need them to get up and get dressed and make it to school on time. And so that's been a silver lining. Um, I, I think I've shared with you, Valerie, that I actually live with my family in a three unit house. So my parents, my mom and dad, they live in the bottom unit. My husband and the girls and I live in the middle unit and my brother and his family live in the top unit. And so we have kind of this sitcom family compound situation going on. And so like every morning, sorry? Sitcom family compound. Yeah, you know. Um, so every morning for the last 10 months, the kids wake up and they run down the back stairs to my parents' house and they have breakfast there. And 
some, you know, a lot of times watch a cartoon and I'm like pretty strict on screen time and certainly no screen time in the morning, but I've kind of like bit my tongue and been like, that is such a special memory they're creating with their grandparents. Like they are going and watching a cartoon and eating and I'm sleeping in a little bit. Can't complain. (laughs) Um, So yeah, I, I relate to a lot of the difficulty, but I have to say this last year has had more silver linings than I would have expected it to. When this first hit and schools were closed and they initially closed for two weeks, I remember like I was on a text chain with my two best mom friends being like, oh my God, two weeks, what are we gonna do? (laughs) Right? And now it's been a year almost and we've made our way through. It's really shown like, I think we're, we're stronger than we give ourselves credit for than we think we can be. I totally get that. We should probably know a couple of things. One is, Ina, you're in California and Lavanya, you live in Texas. But I'm curious about how your cultural upbringing, because you both come from different countries too. So I'm curious about how your cultural upbringing or any aspect of your past, you know, your your culture influences how you've been dealing with your, your, your parenting and or these challenges that you've just mentioned. How has that influenced it? Lavinia, you want to go first? <laughs> okay. You guys are so nice. You're so polite. Like, it's your turn. I went last. You went. <laughs> okay. Um, okay, you have to ask me the question again. It, no, so the main thing is if, if your culture, right, in any shape or form has had an influence in how you parent currently or how you've been dealing with some of the challenges or some of the things that have shown up in your parenting? Um, I've definitely been consciously drifting away from my cultural influences, although uh, especially like the inherited conversations around how I should raise them, how I should do things. Like we grew up with, you know, kids don't question parents. Like that's how you showed respect or um, you don't ask a kid an opinion or when you're fighting, the kids are not allowed to have a say. But I think we've been consciously moving away from that. Um, My husband keeps, you know, he'll ask my daughter, what do you think? And uh, the other day, um, me and my, I think also another factor is me and my husband are not like a typical married couple, like in, in the Indian setting, you give respect to your husband, you, you, you know, but or uh, there's a certain amount of hierarchy. But our relationship, we're more like peers, like classmates, and there's a lot of this tug of war, like playful tug of war, like, you know, two pups pulling on the same toy kind of thing. And so it's, it's a different dynamics. And um, me and my husband, we're coming up with a game to kind of support each other with our you know, health goals. And then we have these, okay, if I win, I'm going to make you wear a pink shirt. And that I think motivates me. (laughs) And then we were coming up with things and my daughter said, can I have a say in this too? And so we're, we've been trying to raise her like that, like that they have a say, they, they can question us. And so when my husband, you know, says something to her, like, you didn't do this. He keeps training her to say, you need to say no, I did it, or question it, or ask the question back, and not just take it when I say you did it. Uh And so I think that's 
couple of the things we've been trying to move away from. And uh, the other things, I, I think uh, cultural influence this year uh, that kind of supported is reaching out to community and asking for support, asking help. And it's not that that was there or wasn't there. I'm the kind of person who does everything on my own, alone. Mm -hmm. I don't ask for help. And so it's, I had to, like, I, there was no way I could handle it all on my own anyway. So um, partly from my culture, reaching out for help. And I'm in a country where I don't have relatives. I don't have my parents here. My husband's parents are not here. So it is really the community you create that I could go ask support off. I have just a few relatives, but they're not even in town. So I would say that's kind of how it's showing up. And then, you know, I'm, I'm sort of the rule breaker <laughs> kind of person. So I've been breaking every kind of mom rule uh, when I'm been, I mean, eating on time, oh. eating on time. Uh, for a while I did, you know, eat whatever you want kind of thing. Like I didn't make everything from scratch and I let's just let them kind of take, you know, take us in, in whichever direction they wanted to go. But then, you know, when it go, gets out of hand, I put my foot down and say, okay, no, come back. Let's start from square one. Let's work on this. And so there's a lot of trial and error. Mm. And I'm I'm not sure where that comes from, but... Maybe also because my mom was like that. She was not really strict. She would let us learn, um, let us try. So I think that's kind of what I've, I've that influences me. Yeah, and she wanna... was never really, oh, sorry, an this absolute no. My dad was like that, but my mom was pretty open-minded and broad-minded. She'd let us try things. My parents were the, were the similar. No, they were not peers. <laughs> Just say that. I don't think so. At least not from the outside in. That, that's not the impression mm -hmm. I got. Although I think my mom's version would be different than my dad's version of that. But one thing is so funny because um, just this past weekend, for example, you know, my, my dad is 76 years old. And he's always been kind of like, you know, the strict, right? Get this done. Do it this way. Why hasn't this been done? He was not an encouraging question me kind of guy. So your <laughs> husband, I'm like, cool, that's amazing. Cause that would not have happened. But my dad is like that now, much mm. more. He's much more open and more flexible, which I heard that does come with some age and wisdom. But what was so fascinating is that he's always been kind of tight lipped about himself and his experiences, but he expects us to ask if we want to know. He doesn't like volunteer it. Mm -hmm. And I'm the only girl, so I have, I have certain rights as the only girl, I guess, certain privileges. And so I've always been asking these questions. So I know things about my dad and, and ways in which he, you know, he was brought up and things that my brothers haven't asked him about because for whatever reason, this just wasn't that dynamic. But we, so this weekend we did what's called getting to know you in 20, which basically I got questions from the family, 20 questions from everybody in the family. And my dad agreed to answer them on video. 
So I interviewed my dad and just asking him, you know, questions from my nine-year-old nephew to questions from my mom, who's now his ex-wife, questions from my brothers. And it was so cool. And for like an hour and a half, he just shared everything from the worst thing he did when he was a kid to, you know, the last time he took off his army uniform and what he thought. And like, it was really, really fascinating. So I think the role of dads is huge, which I want to talk about too, because Sounds like, you know, Lavanya, for your husband, his take on how to parent also influences or supports, right, what you up to and where may you, maybe you're challenged. So it sounds like a really interesting dynamic and partnership, which I wish my parents had. It would have made life so much easier at home. But now I can appreciate it as an adult that it wasn't the time, you know, I think a different generation yeah. too. So yeah, it wasn't, wasn't meant to be right now, but they're getting it. It's never too late. That's my message there. You know, what about for you? What, what, what's resonating in this? God, I relate to a lot. Um, you know, so I was born in Russia. My kids are first generation. Um, but I was young when I moved here to America. I moved here when I was six. So although I'm an immigrant, I'm very much Americanized, right? In a lot of ways. But still, I'm an immigrant and I grew up raised by immigrants. Um, and I feel a lot of like the push and pull of um, how when I when I read these books and think about how things should be done differently versus how I've thought things should be done before I question them or um, what expectations are right. So, and even internally, I still have this push and pull because yes, I want my kids to question. And yes, I don't want to put them in a box. And yes, like these things are important. And there are values of respect for elders and things that are so ingrained in me that like are very hard when I don't see my kids doing that. And also actually, frankly, I believe in respect for elders. Like I don't think they should be disrespectful of elders. It's just shifting what does disrespectful mean, right? Is questioning disrespectful? is standing up right so that's what it is it's it's just changing what that looks like not what the value is necessarily if that makes sense um so an example of that might be I you know I really believe in bodily autonomy and from the time my girls were bodily like body body bodily autonomy right so from the time my girls were young particularly they're girls from the time they were young if my mom or dad would want to give them a hug or a kiss or anyone would want to give them a hug or a kiss and they didn't want to I was like you say no you don't want to give a hug or a kiss you don't want you don't give a hug or a kiss but certainly the way I would have been raised is like if your grandma or grandpa asks for a hug or a kiss you give them a hug and a kiss right like it is disrespectful not to Mm. um and again like yes I don't want them to disrespect elders or their grandparents, but is saying, no, I don't want to give a hug or a kiss disrespectful. That's where the shift has had to happen, right? To be like, no, you say it in a, hey, hey, Baba or Dada, where they call my parents, right? How about a high five instead? Or how about we play a game or whatever, right? Do it in a respectful way, but you can, you don't like being a sheep or just saying yes to everything is not necessary um or similarly like with academics right like i grew up in a jewish immigrant family where 
academics are of really high importance. And in my family, everyone has been high achievers. I've been a high achiever in terms of places I went to school and grades I got and all of that. And I, you know, and my older one is really academically inclined and like very bright. And her passion right now is theater. That's what she loves. She loves acting. I mean, she also reads like a mofo. Like she reads 20 times faster than I do. But the girl loves theater. And, you know, whereas maybe I would have been signed up for an after-school math program, I'm signing her up for after-school acting classes or whatever, right? That's her passion right now. And so, um, again, that push and pull of like, academics are still important to me. I do still want her to like, you know, have a strong foundational knowledge. But like, if what she's really wants to know a lot about is theater and like this particular actress and whatever, great, go learn about that, like immerse yourself in that. So again, like for me, the culture piece has been finding ways to not let go of values that are like important to me from the culture I was raised in, but finding a way to like twist or modernize them in a way that resonates with me like today with where we live now and what feels appropriate. I don't know. Yeah, the nice little balance. And I think that's, you know, part of it. Lavinia, are you going to say? I was going to say my daughter's into theater too. Oh, the oh, oh, one. Older one. Oh, cool. She's picked her college. She's, she's really clear about it. She keeps languaging that. And so it's, Oh my God, that's so many things coming. My my daughter just said to me recently, though, it was pretty heartbreaking. She told me, um, I told, you know, as I mentioned, she struggles with anxiety. And she said to me, you know, mom, do you know why I love theater and reading so much? Those are the only times of day I'm able to escape my worries. When I'm playing a character or relating to a character in a book, I get out of my head and my worries. She's eight. She's eight and a half. Like, not quite eight and a half. She's also been in therapy since she was one and a half. So she's quite, she's got a good amount of self-awareness and work that she's, you know, support she's been given to sort of like do some self-reflection. But she really connects to characters in books and characters that she gets to play because I think that's her escape from out of her head. Mm huge so i'm i'm curious and lavanya were you taking notes i feel like i'm like i'm always no no are you fidgeting <laughs> i'm crazily fidgeting fidgeting, fidgeting. um so I'm, I'm curious about look this is really just the initial sparks of conversation there's so many avenues to go and i sometimes don't even know like I, there's so many things that i would love to ask you i'm like wow does it make sense to change the subject because i will say i think at the time that i uh, talked to both of you about being on the podcast. It was around the holidays, like around December or something mm-hmm. like that. And the thought that came into my mind is, and you know, I know you were telling me how you all were celebrating Hanukkah and, and some of the, the rituals that you were doing, especially now in light of the pandemic and, and Lavanya, you know, you're Hindu, so you don't celebrate Christmas, but you both live in a very Western community, you know, in, in Western society, clearly, or at least in here in the U S and it's so, um, the, the Christianity is so in your face during the holidays. So I'm still curious. I'm going to ask it, although it's a completely, <laughs> a complete departure from our motherhood conversation, but maybe not. 
like, how do you balance that? Especially you have children who are born and raised here and, you know, within the confines or the, the construct of your, of the religious upbringing that you've selected or that you enforce or you model. Like, how do you balance that when there's so much commercial, the bombardment of commercial uh, Christian <laughs> values and morals during the holiday season? You know what I mean? Mm-hmm. What do you do? Does it, does it matter? Matters hugely to me. Yeah. It does. Um, yeah. Do you want to talk first, Lavinia, or I, I can go? Go ahead. I, go ahead. Yeah. Yeah, um, go ahead. yeah. I think about this a lot. It matters hugely to me, right? Because um, as I mentioned, we moved here from Russia and we moved here as refugees. We moved here in refugee status because of anti Semitism in Russia. And so my Jewish identity, my Jewish culture is hugely important to me. And my husband is not Jewish. And I'm the first person in my family to marry someone who was not Jewish. And that was a really big deal. Um, Now my husband's not Christian or of another religion. He's just not religious, but he's American. So his family does Christmas, right? Like, and traditionally that has, that's important to him because that's what he grew up with. My husband and I met in high school, started dating in high school. So we, you know, we had many years of like negotiations of like, well, I'll give you this, but you give me that. And like, how are we going to raise the kid? I mean, just, we're both like come from a law background. So like we were negotiating bits and pieces of this for long periods of time. Um, and ultimately what we came up with is we're raising our kids Jewish, like at least culturally Jewish. Right. And it is really important to me. And I think has actually become important to my husband, interestingly, that our kids identify as Jewish, Mm. that their like self identity is we are, we are Jewish. And that doesn't mean we don't celebrate with other people, their traditions. Right. So with their grandma and grandpa, we go and celebrate Christmas and with our Hindu friends, we celebrate Diwali and Holi all every year. Every year we go, um, and they look forward to it and they love it, right? And we have friends from lots of different backgrounds. With like our Chinese friends, we go celebrate Chinese New Year. But us, we invite our friends to celebrate Hanukkah with us. Like that's ours. This is theirs, and like we all celebrate with each other and partake in the celebrations with each other. Mm. Um, And it's tricky, right, with kids to sort of hold that distinction of like, this is ours and we celebrate this with others and that's theirs and we go celebrate with them. But I think it's been working out okay. Yeah, better than I feared. (laughs) Better than you feared. Lavin, I saw some some reflections on your face. (laughs) You're very sharp. (laughs) Um, So I had this question like a few years when we moved here uh it's been like 12 years now and i i questioned myself what do i do and then i came up with this answer that we're living in this land in this place and we celebrate whatever people like the community around us is celebrating like Mm. it's 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 like a community celebration like a like a region celebration so we did do a lot of things like we would um um celebrate Christmas, especially because my uh, my younger one loves the whole Christmas tradition. She loves decorating a tree. She likes wrappers and all of that. So we, we, do, we do that, even though it's not our culture. And we celebrate um, other festivals with everyone. Like 
Diwali and, and uh, we have a few other festivals which are not popularly known, but we do that. And the other thing which has had us to kind of question and really look and choose is my younger one, she doesn't understand culture. She doesn't understand religion. She's still at the level of, you know, communicating her basic needs, learning her abstract needs uh, and at that stage. So I don't know if she, Christmas she knows because she knows Christmas and Halloween because <laughs> of all the YouTube videos. But, but all those other things, and I know she might never learn all the details of our culture. She may. But it, I've had to kind of, like, like Ina said, modernize it, kind of do a middle, come to a middle ground. And the other thing is I didn't grow up, even though I grew up in India, I didn't grow up like kind of fully immersed in all the rituals and festivals. Like everybody around us was celebrating. And we come from a place where there are Hindus, there are Muslims, the Christians, and we celebrated everything with everyone. It's like uh, my husband jokes that if you give a Hindu, um, and like you say, Christianity, Jesus is the only God, they'll say, okay, add him to our list of gods. We'll pray to him too. And that's, that's been the case. Like we all used to go to church and yeah. So, you know, I kind of grew up with all of that celebrating with everyone else being part of it like you know we'd call invite our christian friends over for some of these like festivals where you serve fruit and like um do these i don't know if you've seen the red bindi right we do all that and they they would really sport it they would you know in join in with us and the other thing is i grew up in a family where um my mom's side was Gandhian like they were followers of Gandhi and so they discouraged idol worship so they were not the kind of people who were doing all these rituals they were more scientific like all the people in my mom's side are scientists and uh, so it was kind of I my, my husband says you're already from Mars you you don't know any of the things that you're supposed to do so coming here it's not much of a, a like a sh cultural shock for me but i'm having to kind of balance it then i thought i i really love my religion i love worshiping and i love some of the you know festivals so if i can do that being the kind i grew up with i have that interest so i think even my daughter would be fine so uh she has the freedom to kind of choose or not but we do celebrate we do you know talk about it and my husband used to tell us stories as a kid and so yeah it, it's it's an interesting mix I can totally see well you guys have done a lot and I'm sure be, it's artful and creative in itself to figure out a way to blend all these different things right your values and the values of the communities but one thing that both of you said consistently is this idea of celebrating with others and an image that came to mind is like a birthday we don't begrudge anybody their birthday, typically. For those that don't celebrate birthdays, that's a whole different, that's another podcast, right? It's a whole different story. And, but, you know, is your birthday is your birthday and you might invite people to celebrate with you because it's an, on, you know, some, an opportunity to honor, to connect, to, right, be, to express gratitude or however you go about celebrating. But it doesn't have any impact or doesn't have any meaning 
to the other people who don't share that birthday, but we can celebrate with or celebrate for someone. So I think that was interesting distinction that both of you shared is this idea of celebrating with somebody else just because of their special moment or special day or special tradition. Um, Fascinating. Again, we could talk about all kinds of stuff, but I'm really curious about what's this been experienced? What's the experience like for you meeting each other, hearing you guys share, like what's, what's there for you right now in this conversation? Um, Let me go. Yeah. It's really fascinating. I, I've, um, I, I, I want the conversation to continue. (laughs) That's where I'm at. And uh, I can see why Valerie, you thought we'd really, you know, connect because there's so many things similar. Uh, like we're both from the East and, uh, you know, we're raising two girls in a different country than where we were born. And I, like, honestly, I, I'm thinking, Valerie, you should do this. Even if it's not live again, we should, <laughs> three of us get together and talk again. Because this is really great. Cool. I'm loving it. Before you, before you go to Ina, what did you expect? What oh, was I was so nervous. <laughs> I was so nervous the whole time. I couldn't do anything yesterday. Like, I was completely, like, uh, stunned. I was just on the couch. I couldn't move. I couldn't think. I wasn't functioning. And then I said, okay, maybe it won't be so bad. Valerie's there. She's a good facilitator. <laughs> <laughs> but it's, it's, you know, it's that kind of unknown. You don't know the other person. Like, I don't know Ina. And it's that unknown, like, how, like you, you don't know if you like a person until, yeah. and so knowing that you would meet a person you don't know and you'll be talking, there was so much of, uh, not anxiety, but like um, hesitation. Like, I wonder if we'll get along. I wonder if, but usually when you meet strangers, you're, you know, you suddenly make a connection then and there. There's no anticipation of it. So I think the anticipation kind of threw me off, but, uh, but I enjoyed it. I'm like, oh, it's already over. (laughs) Talk for another hour. There's so much to talk about. And, you know, the way you facilitated the conversation, like asking questions, I think we never really talk like that when we meet people. We don't like it's, it's interesting to start to know each other from that place rather than start off from oh this is what i do that is what you do like that but it's more like an inquiry based like it, it gets right to it rather than you know all that beating around the bush kind of thing yeah superficial kind of thing yeah so good well, that was in, that was completely de- designed in the design of this conversation so i'm glad that you got it and we can certainly do this again anytime you guys want to. Um, it doesn't have Thanks to be fun. <laughs> <laughs> but, you know, what did you expect and what are you leaving with? To be real, I expected this. Like, I, I mean, honestly, like, I think I, maybe it's from the way you talked about Lavanya. And when, when you and I had that conversation, you're like, I think I know who you would be really good with. Like, as soon as you started talking to me about her, I was like, oh yeah, like that, that sounds right up my alley. So I, um, I came in anticipating that we would have a great conversation. Uh, and I will 
agree with Lavania that like your facilitation skills are just marvelous. So it's great to, yeah, like skip past the superficial like bullshit and just get into like the meat of it. That's great. I love that. Um, get right into like the heart meaty good stuff. Mm-hmm. Um, but I anticipated that we would get along. I also, I shared this with Valerie. I have a lot, I have a lot of friends who are from India and like my husband, and I find ourselves being like the token white couple in a lot of Indian, gr- <laughs> like we have like a group of, um, there's three couples and they're all from India. And then like, we're the fourth couple and we're both white and we're like constantly invited in these. So I don't know if it's like something about me connects with a lot of like that culture or or what it is um but like that and everything you told me about Lavanya and everything you told me about her kids um I anticipated it would be this like I I actually didn't have any nerves I didn't have any um I had like a lot of excitement I really did and I still do like I came in with a lot of excitement I'm leaving with a lot of excitement um yeah that's awesome. See, Lava, yeah, I should have told you more. Maybe that was mistake. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> like, I had to build it up. <laughs> but I was also kind of like, how much do I say? And, you know, I know. And for me, it was like, Lava has already been on the podcast, so she already had kind of the experience. And, you know, I felt like I needed to give you a little bit more context because this was your first invitation to one. But I'm, I'm really proud. I think one of the things that I love about this premise is you know, you guys are in my community. You are my community. And, and where for me is like, how did I get to this type of community? <laughs> like, how, how was that possible? And everything that you all pointed out about, you know, how I might facilitate a conversation. This is the kind of conversation that the two of us had. Like, okay, I'm going to ask you guys this is because it's, a, it's not a test, like as your memory test, but I would like for you to think back the earliest memory you have of us meeting, right? Like what was one thing from that conversation or that interaction that had that had you still want to stay in contact or even just say yes to me, you know, years later? Like what is one thing that you remember about that interaction? I'm curious. It's actually exactly this, Valerie. Like one of the very, you know, one of the very first things you said to me, and I won't get into the details of it because they're personal or whatever, but it was, um, there was nothing surface level about it. Like you skipped <laughs> past any niceties and anything service level. And you were like, let me ask you something real girl. <laughs> and I was like, whoa, she totally went for it. And there was something about you that made me want to be like, yes, let me just tell you. Right. Um, because it was asked, it was, it was not surface level, but it was also asked with a total lack of like judgment. Um, and our conversation had a total lack of judgment. And right away, the level, you know, usually you get to know someone here and you're like, oh, I kind of like that. Let's go a level deeper. Mm-hmm. Oh, that, that's kind of cool. Let's go one more. Let's, let's see. Let's keep testing the water and go like a little deeper and a little deeper and see if I still like you. And see. But you just started right down <laughs> the deep end. <laughs> go right in. Um, and I don't, I really don't even, I can't think of a single other person I've had a conversation with where it started right out at that deep of, and then, like, I've certainly had conversations with people where I'm like, oh, I really like this person. Like, I want to keep getting to know them. Mm-hmm. But there's always sort of like the getting to know you piece. And with you, it was just diving right in. And I'll have to say that for you specifically, there's, there's a certain openness about a person. I don't, please do not misunderstand that I go around asking everybody intimate, personal <laughs> questions. 
although some people might challenge me on this, <laughs> but I do find that it does, is, it does take two for our conversation and, you know, the things that you shared or the, the, your spirit and your energy around the things that you talked about gave me the sense of comfort that I could ask a question without it being offensive or without it being, you know, completely like deemed inappropriate or too personal. Like, I don't know this girl or whatever. Um, so, so there definitely there's, I can tell also this, this, the sense of openness or willingness to, for someone to engage. And so there's, there's no thought in my mind to invite you to participate in this because I'm like, yeah, you're open and willing enough to have a random <laughs> conversation with somebody <laughs> and still be authentic and still be forthcoming. So that was huge. You're right though. It's two way though, right? Like it had to come from me, the openness, but like the thing that made me feel open was also the way you asked it, right? I wouldn't have been as open with a different person asked in a different way. Interesting. Cool. Thank you for that. That's beautiful. And Lavanya, what about you? I still remember when we met, but I'm curious. I know. <laughs> I remember that uh, with the assisting, remember? Uh, day one. Yeah. yeah, we were talking and you asked me some really insightful questions that had me th stop and kind of think. Like Usually the kind of things we ask each other, you, you kind of know the answer. You're well rehearsed in those. But you asked me questions where I had to really stop and kind of look and then talk. And so that's what I remember about you. And you have a unique way of listening, which is kind of beyond what I'm saying. Mm. It, it, go, it, it has a deeper um, background to it, like a deep, like you can re listen what's going on in my background. Mm. And I then can, I can tell you're taking notes or what you know. <laughs> yes. <laughs> When you're fidgeting, <laughs> that's not it. Yeah. Okay. No, yeah. I I appreciate it, and I wasn't. It, this was not my attempt at fishing for compliments, but <laughs> sure, sure, sure. Although I feel incredibly <laughs> acknowledged, super acknowledged and humbled. But I think more than anything, I think what the two of you are pointing to is that we all have a willingness to be known. Like mm -hmm. it sounds like, at least from what I gather from the two of you. And in my experiences with both of you ever since even that first moment to now is that there's this willingness to be known. And, but how many of us take the chance? Like how many of us really put ourselves out there? Because there is a certain level of risk to asking someone something like getting to the heart of the matter. Um, and there might be thoughts of like, oh, I don't know if that's appropriate or, oh, I don't want to offend or I don't want to be you know, deemed or, you know, judged or whatever, which I don't typically have <laughs> when, you know, when I don't know somebody, don't typically have that, but I do observe whether or not it's a safe time or place to do, to get into those conversations. But that's really the challenge I want to pose for, for people, for the two of you included, but for people who are listening is, you know, where can we cut through the crap? <laughs> you know, there's enough out there. There's, you know, this conversation around diversity and inclusion seems to typically fall into the, that's like the most divisive that's the most divisive entry point in a conversation is about all the pain and trauma and not just dis diminish the impact or the imp import of those topics but when we're wanting to connect meaningfully with people it's generally in the deeper places you know that's where the through line is and i like to go through for the through line rather than the okay start at the surface and then try to dig your way down this is be a little hard. Maybe not everybody's ready for it, but 
I'm so grateful that the two of you are not only for my personal relationship with you, but also with one another. And yeah, it wouldn't have worked otherwise. I gotta tell you, my cheeks hurt because I've spent the last hour <laughs> smiling. They <laughs> legitimately hurt. Got a good cheek workout. I do a little cheek massage. Yes. Now you, now you, you're already youthful, but <laughs> you know, getting a little. Yeah, you're you're working that collagen. Yeah. You're working on yeah. <laughs> a nice little facelift today. Good. Any any final thoughts or comments for one another? Oh, I want to get to know you more, Ina, and uh, I really like this conversation together. And I was thinking we should do more of it, really. Like, I, I realized that you're in California, so meeting for lunch would be on Zoom. But That's okay. We, I, anyone I meet with for lunch these days, I'm meeting on Zoom anyway. So, yeah, um, yeah this was, I mean, as I, as I mentioned, I, like, this is exactly what I expected. I expected I would yeah. love you, but I... I come out of the conversation with like expectations totally met and I, uh, yeah. I completely agree like lunch or happy hour or just a conversation. I'd love to not have this be the end. Okay. We can make that happen easy. So we'll do that. Yes. You don't have to exchange numbers and stuff. No, we, can online. <laughs> Sorry? we can do a part two also. Yeah, we could do yeah. a part two also. There's more, there's more, this isn't it. So this entire series, for those of you who are listening and watching, this is a, just a series of conversations that you'll see for whoever, I don't know, however long that'll go, but to expect every single time you'll see a different set of strangers having a different conversation about whatever I think is you know deemed worthy to talk about, basically. <laughs> and whatever comes up in the conversation as well. Uh, but really, yeah, if you want to get access to this type of information, please do subscribe to notquitestrangers.com so you get these episodes in your mailbox. And you'll also, you're in for a new surprise too because we're gonna start adding some personal challenges so that you can take the, the ideas, the concepts, the, the opportunity and experience to get to know somebody even better to another level in your own life. So, oh, you know, nice. stay tuned for, for that. There's more to come. Lavanya, Ina, it has been a true honor and pleasure. And I'm so, so grateful to have the two of you in my, in my circle, to have now expanded the circle so it can be even more inclusive. And I often think I'm like, don't all my friends know each other because they're all amazing <laughs> people. <laughs> so now I'm like, check, yeah, that's done. <laughs> So very good stuff. And I do want to share my, to make sure that you all know what's happening. We can, I'm gonna share my, my new, uh, my 14 year old niece recorded my outro and I'm so proud of it. This is the first time I'm debuting it on the show. So check this out. Maybe, not yet. <laughs> Here we go. <laughs> You've been listening to the podcast, Not Quite Strangers. Be sure to subscribe or follow on your favorite video or podcast platform. And for more information and content, go to notquitestrangers.com. See you next time. Thanks, everyone.